Hey guys, tonight, special guest, we're going to talk about uh, watches. Welcome back, Trading Desk, Thursday. Bom, a beautiful bom, bom. Thursday. I got a special guest with me tonight. Uh, first time, first time on Trading Desk? No. no? First time in a long All time. Right. First time in a while. So, Sequan. Why don't you introduce yourself for people that don't know who you are? Uh, CQ the Watch Guy. Um, you know, I think I'm the best substitute teacher on the channel, popping up uh, everywhere. Been in industry for uh, nine to ten years now. Uh, sold retail all over. Been with the Watchbox team since around 2013 or so. Um, I love watches. I love selling watches. I love talking watches. And that is why I'm, I'm here today. Buy, sell, trade. That's what he does. All That's day, what baby. That's what we both do 24-7. Um, yeah, so... Thursday, we thank you guys for logging back into the trading desk. Uh, we got a cool show, kind of a quick layout for you. Um, we're going to do some of the stuff you're familiar with. We're bringing back uh, WTF, uh, which are the three watches you see on the table. We'll get into those a little bit later. But uh, customary uh, wrist checks right off the bat. Yeah. You want to go first? Me? All right. Let's see. If you get it going, Hublot Oceanographic uh, 4000 in uh, carbon. I love this watch. You know, some of us are blessed with, you know, smaller wrists and can wear a nice 36-millimeter or 34-millimeter watch. Um, you know, some of us are blessed with bigger wrists and can have these big hulking monsters, and I just love this watch. You can do anything you want in it. Will I ever go to 4,000 meters? You never know. You know, if the world needs me to come rescue somebody that deep, you know, I'll do what I have to do with this Hublot on, and uh, I love this watch for that. I'm prepared for anything, and it just, um, it's a cool watch, you know, to be honest with you. You know, it's never gonna go more than fifty feet. Hey, you never know. I'm I'm ready. I'm ready. At least if, it's you carbon know, fiber, so you know, it'll it'll. Oh, hold up! Well, if I have to do a mission, I think. All right. I don't know if it'll block a bullet or anything. So uh, CQ freelances as a uh, free diver in his, in his spare time. I in, do once in, in a while. You Philadelphia know, Philadelphia public Y. Only when the people need me to do you know to do service. All right, something you guys have seen and haven't seen. This is the. Uh, for those of you on the podcast that aren't watching, this is my Rolex uh, Explorer 2. This is the 216570, so the 42 millimeter. Uh, it is off of its bracelet and temporarily on a rubber bee, uh, which has the buckle. Um, I prefer the rubber bees that have the tang buckle, so I don't have to reuse the Rolex buckle, but this is what I had, so this is what I put on here. I had to uh, modify it a little bit, but so far so good, and actually I like the way that the black strap makes the markers pop a little bit more um so i've been happy with this i may I have like cut that. it a uh, fraction too small but it's working its way in there it's a brand new strap so I, I love it the contrast like with the dial and the hands and everything like it just really just looks really yeah. good i try to i try to photograph it it doesn't photograph well it looks good in person the black pops on the dial gotta see so, it. i don't know i gotta try an orange strap maybe but uh yeah that's it we're gonna give the bracelet a break for about a week or so. It is the summertime. You yeah. Know, hot watch summer. Boom. All right. Wrist shots done in the bag. Uh, we got this thing on trading desk. Um, top five, right? Uh, so Q doesn't know what these are. Neither do I. Mm -mm. They pop up on a screen. Uh, we uh, try and figure it out as to why they're on top five. What do we got? Okay. Ooh. All right. Some usual suspects. So we got a bunch of Rolex for you, basically, is what we're saying. Yeah. A um, nice paddock in there. You yeah. So spice it up. Got a uh, Rolex Submariner in there. Uh, so listen, stainless steel Rolex Sub, nine grand. Going to get clicked on. Yep. Datejust, uh, that's 26 millimeter, I would assume. 
3750 yeah have to be. it has to be 26 millimeter but i mean the perfect gift for a lady you know right any situation two-tone date just works the value's there if she doesn't like it you trade it in a year the value stays and it's cool nice little fun funky watch yeah what, you, what about number three what are your thoughts um is that 5270 uh, R? Yeah. Um, I, I love this watch. Really great blend of complication, finesse, uh, simplicity, something that, you know, I could see myself in the summer. I'm out in Italy, you know, I'm just on the yacht and, and we're just enjoying life. You know, I'm just, it's summertime, so I get in my adventure smooth a little Let's bit. See, so Q, that's Q, what I'll be wearing. Q doesn't dare to dream in a little Monaco. bit bigger, apparently. Nah. Uh, yeah, cool piece. Uh, big price tag. I'm assuming that's probably part of why it's been clicked on. Um, awesome watch. This is for me uh, probably like your tenth paddock. You know, I would assume this is something you yes. work your way up to. It's not your first paddock, but uh, this just awesome might be the gateway piece. one. Nice though. complication, uh, relatively good size. So if you're a guy that's like, you know, all the Calatravas are too small for me, this is a cool piece. Uh, for like you were saying, bigger risk guys, this is this is something you would wear. Yeah, it, it feels really good. I think this is a paddock that you see, you know, you just start getting the watch game and like, you know, you're at like, you know, a, a get together and somebody sure. who's been in there for a while has this and they let you try it on and look at it and you're like, oh, wow. This is interesting. I can, I can see, yeah, you know, I can see why. You know, you, you, you sometimes you just need to see that why and seeing a watch like that out in the wild, you know, does it. Yeah. All right. What do we got on that? Number two is a Submariner as well. Uh, one six six one three, two tone. Uh, cool watch. I mean, I would say that uh, you know, two tone. Uh, the two tone with the blue. This specific version is better than the black, in my opinion, because uh, you know, you might as well get something blue. Exactly. But it, uh, cool piece. I mean, definitely, Submariners always get clicked on. So. It's fun. The blue's beautiful. The value of these right now are amazing. I think two-tone Rolex are the ones that aren't, you know, really gravitating as high as everybody else. And it really creates a good value because it's a fun, funky piece. The blue looks bright in the picture here, but out, you know, in a normal situation, it's not too bad. And, like, it's a classy watch. You can have some fun with it. You know, beat it up. And guess what? The value is going to still there. It's not really going to drop much below this price. Sure. And then why don't you take us away with number one? Number one, the classic um, Rolex date date uh, date date. Excuse me, um, for ninety nine fifty. Um, this course is older style. Regardless of age, you gotta love a date date. You know, I don't care how droopy that bracelet is. It's a beautiful piece. It's it's gorgeous. It's classy. You know, um, and it's just something about it. You know, to me. Uh, a day date some people think it could be overboard but it's really a nice traditional piece and if you're into gold and into salt gold piece what's better than a salt gold day date especially for under 10 grand and again value wise it's not going anywhere right you got some fun with it even throw it on a strap if you want to get a little classy you could watch like do a nice his and hers if you want to share a watch with your spouse it's a great uh option as well i think there's great value so much good value if you go a little bit older in the rolex catalog and um, it doesn't go anywhere. You know, it's value on the wrist, and if you are a savvy trader, you're really not losing much. Yeah, a lot of guys, uh, I got some big-time guys that spend a lot of money on watches are starting to move more into vintage. It's interesting to see where it's coming. Um, so market's definitely up as a whole. Vintage is cool because, uh, you know, it picked up, and then it dropped off, and now that all the modern stuff is picked up, I think there's a lot of vintage pieces out there that can be had um, for the same kind of money, and there's some real, some real steals out there, so... Yeah, so much. People, you got to explore a little bit. You know, I think people get stuck on what's happening in the market, but there's so many great, um, I think like Eurostar just announced, like if you buy a subscription, you go to their whole catalog and you just go through those magazines, you see how many great watches that people forgot about, like brands that are literally you could find at a pawn shop that are like cool little, you know, tool watches you beat yeah. up, have some fun with. 
Yeah, I think I'm going to, uh, speaking of which, I was just, I think I just made up my mind. I'm going to, uh, today that I'm going to buy a, a blue Pelagos. Oh, it's really? ugly as all hell. I don't ugly. like the blue, but Sorry. I'm going to buy a cheap one and just beat the hell out of it. I, I love them. Why I don't think. you like the blue? I don't know. It's ugly. It's not the right shade of blue for me, ah, it's but blue. you can get them, you know, cheap enough to justify. I really like the LHD, but I'm not spending that kind of money. Yeah, LHD is nice. It's a cool watch, titanium. And again, like you have so much fun with it. And when you're done, you trade it and like your value is pretty safe there. All right. So that's top five, uh, you know, making a uh, short story long over here. Um, we have, uh, we've rolled in the poll for this week. We're doing a this or that in a little bit of a different way. We're going to do this or that, uh, with watches that we bought this week. So Q picked his favorite watch that he bought this week. I picked my favorite watch that I bought this week and we're going to do a poll. Um, that poll is in the description box. If you haven't voted already, please do so. I see the guys in the chat saying that they're voting. Um, at, we're also going to be doing, if you're watching this live, uh, I did put it in the chat, but we're going to be doing Q&A at the end of the show. So maybe send you questions, some questions, um, get them ready. Probably not going to scroll all the way to the top of the chat to try and find questions. So just have them ready and uh, I, shoot them I, over when we ask for them. I will scroll to the top though to say shout out to Matt Forrester. He beat Eddie this time. So Matt Forrester is first. He gets the first award of the show. You know, take that sticker. All right. Shout out to everybody in there. Good to see you guys again. All right. Fantastic. So let's roll into this or that. That's an interesting this or that. Yeah. This is like. Do you want to go first and try uh, to defend this pick? or I, I will defend this pick. I don't think this is a hard pick to defend. Um, so my pick is Ulysse Nardin, um, Ulysse Nardin Maxi Marine uh, Diver Big Unit Limited Edition. Um, uh, Dustin Johnson, pitcher. Awesome. Win a lot of records. Get to the watch. Forty-five millimeter rubber-coated steel. You can do anything you want with this watch. Beautiful eighteen-karat gold accents on the bezels, on the hand as well. Comes with um, only hundred pieces made. Comes with a signed baseball. This is a perfect summer watch. Not a piece you see very often either. Popped up in um, released in two thousand twelve, and like every once in a while you see it. I think this is a cool UN. I love UN. I love the rubber-coated cases because you can really have some fun and enjoy it and beat it up a little bit. And I think you should pick this watch over the FP Jordan because you're going to actually use this watch during the summertime, you know, on your vacations. And you should uh, just vote for CQ, man. I think I deserve a win today. That's my, that's my pitch. That's your pitch? Okay. CQ's going to uh, levy on the fact that uh, he's a likable character and he wants you to just vote for Q. All right. So I bought this uh, this beautiful uh, SP Jorn here from a repeat customer of mine. Very good guy. Um, two words, guys. Black label, right? 40 millimeter case, platinum, black label. So it, this specific piece is the Octa Reserve. So you have the Power Reserve, um, grande date, you know, time, sub-second. The watch uh, on, my, on the wrist is absolutely fantastic. That's uh yeah that's my wrist forty millimeter case wears perfect at home I think a lot of the Jorns uh, in this case size thirty nine to, to the forty millimeter case are fantastic and uh, this piece is really really special it doesn't pop up very often uh, in fact I wouldn't move away from this stream but in a separate if you Google uh, you know that description there's not another one out there so extremely no. rare piece black label this is a fantastic Jorn in the fact that it's a hard piece to find. It's got a really good market, but it's not overly super complicated. 
So you don't have to go buy like a vagabondage, you know, to have something yeah, super really top top end. I I happen to like to love these yarns more than anything. My favorite yarn is the Senegraph, which I've said before. That's about as complicated as of a yarn as I'd want. Um, but this piece right here is is pretty pretty awesome in my opinion. So right. yeah, well, it's beautiful. You know, it's, a, it's an elegant watch. You know, and I guarantee you, the yarn sells faster. Well, you, you say that, but again, this is a piece that's not really out there. There's only one other piece of this available in the market. You know, and there's somebody out there who's ready for the summer, ready to live life to the fullest, and I'm this gonna, is the watch that they need, right. I, I, so, I, say, I think. So if the Jorn is for the type of guy who signs autographs. The, the UN comes with an autograph. So if you're the kind of guy that buys a watch because it comes with an autograph, then buy the UN. But if you're the shot caller that signs autographs, then you buy the, the Jorn. I think the same guy could have both. I think, you know, the people in the chat know I what do to like do. You UN. know where to that vote. Is not my, that by far is not my favorite. You know? It's that a cool is. UN. All right. Uh, is it too early to pull up the, to the, the votes? I don't know if we could pull a poll. I don't think we can, but maybe we can just pull a visual of the watch that's in the lead. Maybe. No? No. All right. Moving on. It's cool. a UN. Okay. We'll figure it out by the end of the show that uh, I'm kicking Q's uh, butt over here. It's 50-50 after 26 votes. Okay. It's dead he, heat he just made for that the up. UN. No, he's, it's, he's actually watching a cartoon on his computer right listen, now. Listen, live results here. All right. Fake news. This is, no such thing. All right. <laughs> Moving on. So that's our that's our this or that. Uh, if you guys haven't voted, vote. Um, you know, I'm pretty sure that, that chat box or that vote box it stays open after the show. So if you're not watching live, you can also vote and then, uh, you know, turn the tides. All right. We All right. have a segment from couple episodes ago i did with mike manjos the first one i liked it a lot i got some really really good feedback uh wtf watches so this segment is basically i i, I do want to preference this by saying these three watches were not that we picked are not as bad as the first three that we picked no exactly the ones manjos and i found were like we we were literally we were <laughs> in the back of the vault just laughing because of how bad they were that's how the segment was born these are bad but it can be justified so they're they're not the best watches, but we'll we'll tell you why they're here. Um, so yeah, WTF watches with Sequan as my guest. Why don't you uh, why don't you lead the way here? Um, sure. Should I, should I just start with the Duet? Go for it. So it's a pretty cool piece. Um, Duet Academia Constant Force Turbion, um, with a beautiful kind of like a charcoal style red. I love these watches because once again value 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 $260,000 retail. We have this I think for around 55,000. Um pretty cool use of constant force um and then just a nice really nice sizable tourbillon there. What makes it, you know, a WTF watch is definitely the colors are something that you have to be you know, you have to be down for. And, you know, dial's a little bit different, but if you're looking for a nice visible tourbillon in a very cool unique case and like a value that you really can't find I like these pieces. I've I've I had one um a Jackie Chan edition that I only ever um purchased once, could never find, and I always kinda fell in love with this model based on that. But I think this is a cool little funky funky piece. Uh okay. Uh, yeah. I wouldn't say it's a cool watch. Um I would say that that's a watch that retails for quarter of a million dollars. Yes, sir. And you can have for approximately fifty thousand dollars. So there's that. I guess there's that's a cool factor. Um, it's a 43 millimeter platinum solid solid chunk of watch. Yes, you right? feel so it. So if you want to own some platinum that uh, retailed for you know a lot of money, the 
doesn't sell secondary for a lot of money. It's a cool piece. Uh, you know, listen, it's a Turbion. It's constant force, which in my opinion is cooler than the Turbion in terms of complication. But uh, it's it's all right. You know, I don't know. Um, it's uh, it's probably the coolest DeWitt that's made. Ooh. Which isn't saying Ooh. a whole lot. Uh, I don't know. Not I, I, I'd a, say that. I, not I, a lot of love lost for DeWitt. They, it's a that's a tough brand to buy and sell, man. Yeah, it is. It's definitely in its own realm, and it's definitely you know a DeWitt fan base out there. But uh, just like a lot of these kind of out there brands, the fan base realizes that hey, we can wait for a very very good value and wait for prices to go down, and they're definitely in that situation. But if you want something you know funky, big salt platinum, you go for it as a brand. It is one of the tougher brands, very very speculative, but it do make some interesting pieces. For sure, you know, quarter of a million dollar retail, two hundred fifty thousand, fifty grand, fifty grand. <laughs> All right, I can think of a better way to spend fifty grand. But moving on, this is actually, in my opinion, this is probably catch a little flack for it. I think this is the coolest watch of the three that are on the table in okay. terms of it being different, at least. Because I mean, look, this is a Dewitt. It looks like every other Dewitt. They all, they all look like that, right? I mean. Granted, you got the, the Turbion beaten away. So this is a graph. Uh, this is not by any shot of the imagination like a super superior watch. Um, it's okay. Sapphire crystal, kind of octagonal shape. It's got this stone cut case, which it's is what they're cool. known for. You know, it's 18 karat rose gold. Uh, power reserve, sub-second, grande date. It's, uh, it's definitely a luxury fashion watch, right? One of 50 pieces. Uh, you can see the composite case there in the back. Actually, really pretty movement um, in terms of decoration. You see the crystal there has the same kind of uh, stone cut as the case, which is cool. We can catch it in yeah, the nice light. Facets. But uh, it doesn't you know, sit on the rest weird, which is nice. Um, it's okay. It's a, it's a pretty looking fashion watch. I could definitely see a woman wearing this or like, you know, rather eccentric kind of guy. Um, it, it takes a special look, but this is a watch that had a retail of uh, like fifty six thousand dollars, I yeah, think, or something super, like that. And you know, I think they're this watch is around eighteen thousand dollars right now. So again, it's it's one of those pieces. Like, can we justify? One of the cool things for me is, like, inside the buckle, they have that uh, composite material that the case is made out of. There's also a pretty cool uh, little like adjustment right here to move the strap in nice. and out. So there's some nice details here. Uh, so for me, for something you know that you want, at least that's funky and different. The DeWitt looks like $10,000 DeWitt's, in my opinion. You know, just the case style. But that's me. Again, all these watches kind of suck. But to <laughs> me, that's the least suckiest one. I mean, they're definitely great execution there. And, like, a lot of well-done touch, touches with the facets on the case, facets on the sapphire case back, the buckle and all that. But you got to really be, you know, really in love with, like stones to rock that watch or again like, i think for the right lady it's a beautiful watch it's, it's actually perfect but you really gotta you know you have to you know be a trailblazer in um the fashion department i think but you know there are people but, out there who can put this together and make it work perfectly but it's definitely like i go do it all, all day to be to I be mean, honest so 15 grand versus 50 grand i don't know they both they're both not watches you know that i would spend <laughs> but anyways I digress. Moving on to this. Do you know anything about this watch? I, I do. You know, I'll be completely transparent. I have no idea. We were just kind of in the vault, and we saw this, and it was like... So for, from my yeah. very short understanding of this is uh, Pierre de Roche, I believe is how it's pronounced. 
Uh, this is a gentleman who uh, I believe worked for AP for a little while, oh. whose family was into watchmaking for a long time, um, and left and started his own thing. I think they were like, if memory recalls, like 2008 startup. Uh, don't think they're around anymore. Don't think they did very well. Things happen. This is a uh, it's an okay watch for five grand. Um, so you have a here. I'll give you the the short and sweet of it. So you got a running sub second, right? You got a 24 hour. You have a flyback chronograph and pointer date at the top. It's a screw down crown, relatively sporty, although it's on this alligator strap, not the highest decorated movement. This kind of has a um, very much like a Vogard or like a Frank Mueller feel to me. Yeah. Like maybe not like a super high end Frank Mueller, but like early cheap Frank Mueller's. Or uh, it definitely has like a nice like maybe like a case. There's like a, a good character a, there. A BRM aspect to it. I it's, see BRM uh, in that. Yeah, I mean it's an okay watch. I don't know five grand. I think it retails for like twenty eight grand. So you know, they were kind of medium. A lot of complication, but all kind of like medium complications. Nothing too crazy. Um, but that is uh, not a great watch. Nah, I, I think there's just a lot going on with the dial there. To be honest with you, the, the, I think maybe without the pointer date, we can work. The colors kind of kind of cool, but I don't know if the, the colors with the sunburst because you have like sporty with classic finish. I can understand like in the creative room where this kind of looked cool, but in the execution it looks like a sports watch meets uh, more just your class watch, but just not like they don't. I don't think they knew who their customer was when they were designing this watch. And a lot of brands have that issue today. But when you're a smaller brand, you really you know, you only have a few a few shots in a revolver there, and I think this one uh, might have been a dud. Yeah, it's it's not a great piece. Um, there's some comments in there, junkers. Yeah, it could I could see that vibe. Um, yeah, listen, I think the coolest value, the coolest perspective of you know the WTF watches or whatever you you know however you want to um, you know play them out on the trading desk is uh, value perspective. Yes. Right. So, you know, trading desk at its heart, we talk about the market. We talk about, if, you know, bang for the buck, what the watch brings for its money. And when you look at all three of these watches with crazy retails for, you know, pennies on the dollar, it really goes to tell you that, like, public opinion, the market shifts everything. So, you know, we can talk about bubbles. They'll change. We can talk about when you talk about pieces like this that are laying around for pennies on the dollar, it's for a reason. And uh, it's proof in the pudding. Yeah, you know, say. a definitely value proposition. But it's, it's interesting because, like, there are people out there who love, you know, these certain types of watches. And, like, especially this graph, something that we have, you know, in, in the teens now. Nobody but in the right situation, somebody would I, – I, I could see a scenario where somebody pays close to retail for that watch because, like, they're, like, romancing it and they're buying some really nice jewelry and, like, you know, they got, got get some money to burn. So, like, you know, everybody has their own, own flavor. I'm not trying to <laughs> – and on that segue, all three of these pieces are for sale. Please yes. call us at – no, just kidding. They for are sure. for sale, so we're not doing ourselves any they favors. They would love to give you a deal. But, uh, yeah, I'm sure we'd cut you a deal on any, any of those things. Um, real quick, I just want to throw it out there because I didn't do it last uh, show. Do you, uh, you have an Instagram? I do, CQ underscore the watch guy. Uh, I don't know why I put dot .com. CQ underscore the watch guy on Instagram. That's cool. We're not live. We'll, we'll rewind that back. Yeah, just ignore – erase that from your memory. Uh, Evo backs. underscore watches. Follow me, follow Q. Yeah. Uh, Message, ask, if you ask want, questions. If you want to buy that graph, I'll, I'll cut you a hell of a deal. Yeah, I mean, like the DeWitt. I know, All like, right. I probably have five emails already in DeWitt. You know, we're going to make it happen, you yeah, know. for sure. Started a bidding war right here. All right, so 
that's uh that's our WTF watches. Um, By the way, the UN is winning right now. So the is people it? is resonating with the people. You see that that's the thing about that UN it resonates with their, their heart. Yeah, that's uh that's he Josh, those votes Josh Thanos has his Russian hacker bots uh, hey, voting for your UN there. Thank you, Thanos. We all know <laughs> we all know the Russians like their UNs. All right, we're gonna move to Q and A. Some questions, some answers. You're going to ask you questions. We're probably going to dance around a little bit. but All right, so send them in, guys. Uh, 55 votes, apparently, they're saying from. Ooh, I should do CQ the Buffet Guy and do, do like, got? a food food Instagram. I think that'd be pretty cool. CQ the Buffet <laughs> Guy? Okay, that's different. All right, let's see any watch-related questions. A lot of TGV questions. You know, 5K for a flyback is a good value. Ten, uh, ten Technologically, it is a really, really great watch. Um, and again, like, you know, like, for the price, you're really not really losing much, right? It's not something that you really want to sell back, but something that you trade and, you could, you know, you put on Chrono 24 and you get most of that value back. If you want something funky and fun, why not, right? You got to, like, take a few leaps of faith out there. You know, the Royal Oak wasn't a hit when he immediately came out, right? That man just, I'm sorry I, I compared that to Royal Oak. Erase that. Just, Maybe my last shot. One of those, yeah. <laughs> so uh, this is CQ's uh, probationary uh, episode. Yep. So since uh, Thanos is gone, we've had a few guests on. I told him this was his one shot, so you're not coming back. Yeah, it was good. I mean, Mike Michaels, uh, who can who can really stand up to the, the great Mike M&M, Michaels right? show was fun as hell. Uh, we, I should probably drink on this show more. It was a good show. Whiskey doesn't Whiskey, whiskey doesn't never hurt. hurts anything. Um, is it like wallet. anything watch All right, question. Man. How do you feel about the fact? Well, never watch them. You'll never sell any of the watches on the table. That's funny. The first two of the first three watches, the what the fuck watches we brought last week, sold. Or two weeks ago, sold. So, yeah. hey, listen, uh, someone that had more money than you that wanted something different bought that watch. You ever see like somebody driving a car that you're like, I can't believe that car is actually on the road and somebody, you know, like it, it happens. Everybody has their own taste and everybody likes watches for different reasons, right? There might be somebody who's, you know, into gemology or geology and just really loves the facets of stones, you know, and just really kind of resonates with that watch and is a beautiful navy and gold is a really great color combination. So like, you, you can kind of convince yourself. It, it is, these are definitely watches you want to have in, in person. Definitely not Turbion. Like, if you want, like, a really nice quality-made Turbion for great value, like, these will sell. You know, things might take, take a little while, but they'll definitely go. Uh, I got a question from Tariq. Uh, should I sell my BLNR and get something in a higher horolog- horological brands uh, or hold on to it? Um, so I'm assuming you're talking about the Oyster, the original Batman. Uh, they're, they've never been worth more money. Um, we did see a little bit of a downtick, so we're going to see because the Jubilees are starting to become a little bit more available. Yeah. So the Oysters dropped just a tad by like 500 bucks. Um, if it's me, man, I sell the watch, and I probably start looking for something that's not an AP, not a Rolex. Um, I think this is a great time. If you're going to sell the watch and move into another Rolex, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But uh, if you do want to go ahead and try and like move into some Vacheron or something where you can buy some real value, then I'd sell the watch because it's a great time to do so. A great time to leverage value. If you have Batmans, if you have Pepsis, uh, all the the hot Rolexes. Because I don't know, the ceiling isn't going to go that much further to me. And, like, the Jubilees are going to start going on before we know it. 
um, Basel is going to come around and the Basel rumors and then what's going to be the next hot watch and then you're going to see another adjustment as well so I think right now is the perfect time if you have a piece if you have a Batman and you're not really like connected to it this is probably the best time to leverage and get something in the high horology get something you love um you know don't be in a rush but like you know if you if a nice opportunity pops up i think now is when you do it because like you know it only gets more speculative from from here in, in in the summer months and again as soon as basel comes around the corner like the time goes by so fast then it becomes the next watch everybody's chasing and you lose that premium premium where everybody just hunting for these because there's nothing else out there so i think definitely leverage leverage your pieces now is the time a lot of guys agreeing with that vent uh vc gen 3 better than blnr hands down i mean better watch in terms great of, pickup yeah i mean complication the gen 3 like i said is way better than gen 2 in pretty much every way except for how it looks um but just my opinion Bashron's a good uh, good watch, and they are. I mean, they can be had, you know. Yeah. They're, they're not. You're not buying retail, so. Bashron and Alon right now are probably the best pieces, um, value wise. You could throw JLC in there to pick up right now because everybody's kind of spread into all the other independents right now, um, or other like kind of high end brands that you could just get them at such great value if you know what you're looking for. Um, Duffy, this is the time to buy because I think there will be a. A, a flip back when people start to go back into those brands again. Mm-hmm. All right, lots of uh, lots of chatter. People asking uh, about Josh. Josh uh, left the company and uh, he's back in Florida. He uh, they're working very hard to uh, sure up starting a family. So he's got a lot of family stuff going on down Enjoying the in beach. South Florida. Yeah, living his best life right now. Uh, Shout out to Blake. Let's do a couple shout outs here. Who else is in there? JBO Surf. All the regulars, man. It's awesome to see you guys keep coming um, day in, day out, you know, since like the, the channel really started. Really, we thank you guys so much. It means a lot. Um, you guys continue to tune in and hear us just talk watches. Getting uh, horology homies. That's a freaking awesome hand. Yeah, I like that. Um, Trademark. Any that. pitches for the Blanc Pond, the new Houdinki Blanc Pond? Uh, we've had a couple guys that we've heard that have gotten them. Um, the one guy I did talk to said he's going to see how it looks on the wrist. I don't think anybody's buying them just to flip them right away. Yeah, it's a really good looking watch. It's a 38 watch. millimeter. I think a lot of people are, are curious to see if it's going to wear like a 39. I'm sure there'll be some that hit the market. Yeah. You know, like anything. But I, uh, I don't I don't know if it'll go like crazy. I think it'll be something where you can like get out at retail and wear it for a little bit or enjoy it just like um, Speedmaster. I don't think it'll be too, too crazy, but great. A great addition by them, great move by Bon Pon, and I really like the idea of brands doing these small, cool, limited edition batches that are like fun, unique, and like kind of create what you had like in the '90s, where there were just these small batches that people chase for, and you really couldn't find. And sure. it's, it's kind of cool to see that going on. All right, cool. Uh, let's see here. Alvin's watching from Singapore. What's going on, man? We got some friends out in Singapore. Ooh, geezer, Richard Long, uh, PLM versus FJ Krona Optimum. <sighs> that's such such tough I, I, I want to say oh man I really like the long um, you can flip a coin there they wrote really great great watches great movements great uh, technology um, value wise I think FPJ is on the way up um, so if you're thinking that I, I, I kind of lean FPJ but um, those longs you don't see that too many of them out there if you get a good price on it I say either way pull the trigger enjoy yeah, I would, I'd probably go for the FP Jorn just in terms of I believe he's going to be, you know, Longay is Longay. They're, you know, they're going to be around. They're probably going to do some 
you know, they do amazing watches, but they're probably going to do some awesome stuff in the future. Yeah, but I don't think they have the perpetual scale that I see FP Journe taking in the next couple of years in terms of becoming the top independent watchmaker uh, and, and kind of cornering market yeah no they're definitely like lightning in a bottle of great watchmaker great story behind it um not too many pieces out there you know the production is still so very very low but still somewhat available because not everybody's on the bandwagon so you had an interesting time the pre-owned pieces older his earlier stuff are doing very very well the brass movement pieces are going crazy mm-hmm. and his newer stuff is starting to pick up too and like he's still pushing forward in technology so it's really a very interesting brand it's definitely a brand like if you're interested in independent check out F.P. Journe because so many things um, that are beautifully done there and value wise it actually turned into a very interesting situation I, I they're not a brand that I, I played with a lot before I got here but since I've been here I've really been blessed to see so many cool pieces and yeah, I love them I would say that both brands were brands that I have had a different type of uh, idea about before I put a lot of hands on them so I could it's tough when you're you know just a guy on the internet or you have one watch friend or you don't have an ad that carries Jorn or long because it's hard it's tough to see them but after being exposed to the brands and really starting to feel out like what they're about and who they are and handling a bunch of different watches i do like longay than i more than i did you know two years ago yeah. um exponentially fell in love with Jorn, hands down more than i than i liked it three years ago when i first found out about Jorn was about five years ago and to me it was like eh you know they're cool but yeah. they're not you know and but just going down the rabbit hole of learning all the complications about you know learning uh learning the ideology behind you know what he likes to build meeting them um you know handling some of the vagabondage handling uh, the centigraph which is just amazing uh to watch and you know they're they're really special so, yeah no it's def- i think a lot of people are starting to discover that yeah. that's what's coming on it's one of those brands that like you have to like somebody has kind of like educate you a little bit i think with some of these watch brands like different languages and like we know generally you know a little bit but you need somebody to really explain the roots of it to really get you into it um aries gaming 51 long isn't independent but we often put them in with independent watches with the pieces they make and they don't make too many so they're not a true independent but in terms of their I, I'd say their watchmaking spirit they're much more independent than a lot of a lot of brands that are hooked up with big, big groups you know in, in the same vein that you kind of put JLC in there where, where they really move like an independent and they have a lot of core production stuff but have a lot of cool little smaller batch things yeah. as well there's a lot of people referencing uh, there's a whole conversation here that I may have missed but uh, people are mentioning Seiko Fantastic watch. You guys know I love Seiko. Uh, hard to go wrong. Um, good starter watch, good medium watch, good beater watch. So throughout the evolution of your collection, Seikos are present. I think um, Kesselwitz, would you trade a 2018 BLNR for a 2015 pre-ceramic Daytona valued around 16K? That Daytona would have to be, in my opinion, a very, very clean piece. Not much polish, if any. Look at that bezel. Um, and it has to be a full set for me to um, to do that trade without like a little bit cash back. I think. Yeah, I think right? it's so. In terms of uh, both watches are on the up. I think future potential. The Daytona probably has some more future potential, but that's a little high for market right now. So if it's a newer, you know, newer piece and like you said, very little wear, hasn't been polished, and is a full set, not necessarily drop tags, but like full box papers and books. Then I think you're you're probably about there. Um, plus, you know, for the difference of about five hundred dollars or so, which is probably the cash you should want back, 
is whether or not you really like the Daytona that much, you know? I wouldn't do it just to move sideways, but if you've always wanted a Daytona and this is the only way you're going to, you know, get one, maybe it's a good good play. Uh, Watchbox Studio is reporting in that the UN is winning by three votes. Let's keep it going. Let's let's bring this home. I think, you know, you guys can do, you know, one more for the Gipper. Um, we all know the UN is a better watch, not in terms of technology, not in terms of, you know, finesse, but in terms of what you want to wear tomorrow on the beach, sipping that, you know, I don't know, that Mai Tai, that pina colada, that mojito, depending where you are, you want that UN on the wrist. You know, I'm just saying. Just saying. There are some good UNs. That, that one is not my favorite one. I, I think UN is, is one of those brands you can have so much fun with because they made so many little... They, they even made a Game of Thrones watch, which is the one... It's so weird, but it's the one watch I can never get my hands on just to see it. I just want to... It's not even that that Game of Thrones-y, but it's just, it's just, I just want it. Did it for you? It just did it. Just hit I'm that. surprised that's not that. a no. uh, Romain Jerome, because they, do, they right. like to oh. do their theme stuff. And I would definitely wear Romain Jerome Pikachu, even though you weren't asking, I'm just letting you know. I would wear <laughs> that right. watch. Have we ever had one? <laughs> no, I don't think so. I think we had, like, the Space Invader. I yeah, think we've, we've had, had a few, but I've never seen the not Pikachu. Because when you get the Pikachu, you keep it. You don't sell it. I've seen watch. the Batman. Batman's person. pretty cool, that too. That pretty cool. And then we have one that's, like, the... The volcano. lava yeah. volcano one that one's actually the dial on that one's freaking sick um different but super cool all right i don't know if uh do you want to do enough go for that one go for moon watch versus explorer 2 I, I didn't i didn't see the color dial and always gave me 51 i am a true salesman one of the best in the world um explorer 2 versus moon watch that is a very interesting I guess it would depend on which Explorer 2 and which Moonwatch, but uh, Oof. I, I mean... That's I, a flip I, of coin it's, situation. It's not man. for me, man. I mean, it's it's tough to say that, that you would pick a, pick a Moonwatch over I mean, Explorer 2. It, it's really what, what speaks to you there. You know, you want to say, like, Explorer 2, especially, like, if it's a white dial, it's hard not to go white dial versus the Moonwatch, but there's something about, like, a Moonwatch to just, like, yeah. hit so some notes, right? And also, what are we trying to accomplish? Is it uh, the watch that you love the most? Is it the watch that's going to hold value? Is it a complication war because, you know, there's a chronograph versus a GMT, which are like not apples to apples. Um, you know, if it's a white dial Explorer 2, it's always going to be worth more than a black dial Explorer 2. Any Explorer is generally going to be worth uh, more than a Speedmaster of the same genre. So, you know, if we're trying to value retention, bang for the buck, um, I mean, value retention is one thing, bang for the buck is another. So... For relatively less money in, you can get the Speedmaster, right? It's got history. It's got all that. Um, is it going to do the same thing as it's going to make you feel the same way as when you're wearing a Rolex Explorer 2? Probably not. But that's why most guys start with the Speedmasters and work their way up. Uh, not to say you can't have both or you can't even go the other way. you got to experience everything and figure out what it is for you. That's what collecting is. Yeah, 100%. But there's something about a white dial, like your watch, like, Sings like sings a perfect note when you look at it. Like everything's just at peace, you know. Yeah. Do you um, believe Omega is dead? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think some of the new. Uh, I mean, I don't know. They make some questionable decisions. Um, I, I think they have a production the, problem. Like they like if you look at the if you go to Omega dealer asking for the master catalog, it is a very big book. You know, yeah, they, they need make, to slim that book. They make a lot of watches. They make. They make a lot of models, and they make a lot of yes. watches. There's a lot of stuff out there. Um, they make some questionable decisions in terms of limited edition runs, like the the piece everybody wants now, the Steel uh, Anniversary Moon Watch. Yes. I think they made like 69 
169 of them or something like that instead of 1969 or whatever the number is. It's just like an astronomical amount of – it's not – I don't know how you would consider that a limit, a true limited edition. It, it, um, I mean, I guess in strictest sense, it's a numbered limited edition piece, but that's a lot of watches, man. And I get from an, from an economic standpoint, you want to make sure – you know the company's healthy by selling those watches but at the end of the day like let's scale back let's make less watches let's make them more special um i don't know i think that uh they could be in serious trouble in the next three to five years if they don't do something yeah i think they're definitely blessed because they have a big bank and i think they get into the situation with limited editions because you have a situation where you produce almost any 007 bond watch you produce sells out and you have a very large limited edition number you get something like a snoopy it sells out but then you try to keep doing that and you know certain watches it's okay to only make 200 pieces it's okay to only make 100 pieces i think they need to get back into that realm there's not that many only really the bond watch you can have that consistent like hey it's going to be such a broad release and everybody loves bond you know it kind of works out i agree so you know back swatch group big bank right um they i don't think you can ever get they're too big to get to 100 pieces but i do think you need to keep things like under two grand yeah right under 2,000 pieces. Um, I think we need to roll back. Some of the price points have gotten a little bit crazy. I think we need to roll back some price points. I think we need to worry less about box presentation and more about movement uh, finishing, although some of the new uh, machine movements are actually pretty, very pretty, but they're not done by hand. Um, they have a, a very solid history. They, they are standing on a pretty solid foundation. I'm a little scared for the future of the company. I think that with some tweaking and and some right moves and maybe scaling some stuff back and making making it special again, um, you know, they have a, a pretty good future. But uh, things right now, like there's no Omega that's been released that that's just everybody's dropping what they're doing to, to try and find the watch. I don't you know. It's that. like. All right, you know, we'll see it when it comes out. Yeah. You know? I, I agree very much with you say retail pricing because I remember vividly in like 2012 or 13 when all the 8500 series stuff started landing and like the guy who was on a cruise the year before wanted to look at a chrono and it was like, I don't know, like five grand and now it's like 9,000. Like, oh, well, now I got to think about a, a Rolex. Now I got to think about, you know, I could get into JLC. You know, you, you kind of put yourself in different conversations where before it was just like you versus Breitling and you'd almost all, always win that battle because Omega is such a cool thing. And we understand, hey, you got to pay more money because you know it's in-house movements but i think at a certain point they price themselves out of their core core business that really drive them and really you know that's why the moon watch is something that can never that can never be a a watch more than seven grand right because then it becomes crazy it needs to be at the price point where it's at or you lose that that buyer right so uh point fact so rob ward uh shout out to rob ward with his with his statement rather than a question said that uh mega could put a 321 in a regular speedy for six to eight grand and print money all day long, yeah. which I agree with. But then what do you do? Do you kill the 005? Do you kill the 006? Or do you make a third regular steel Speedmaster? So the, here's the, that's the question. If you want to kill the 005 to do it, then you have a 321 in a closed case back. Who wants that? Nah. No, you want a 321 in an exhibition case back. So do you kill the 006 Sapphire Sandwich, which is probably their best-selling Speedmaster? 100%. Probably one of the best selling SKUs. So right? yeah, exactly. So but that watch is, you know, we know what that watch retails for, but you can get that watch for thirty five hundred dollars to thirty eight hundred bucks on pre owned market. So are you gonna spend six to eight grand to get a three twenty one? At the end of the day, you could probably go find a vintage three twenty one for for, you know, pretty good money. 
Um, so I don't know. Those are, you know, I don't run Omega. That's that's a hard answer. You know, I can't yeah. answer that question. This is I a would big have ship. to know all of the analytics. But they make way too many SKUs. The stuff that does sell is uh, not as scarce as it probably should be. And when it does sell at retail, it's very expensive. But they have those pretty boutiques that I'm sure cost a lot of money to maintain. Yes. They have very, very nice window displays. The champagne. Um, which costs a lot of money, um, yes. which just I hope you guys realize uh, when you go to one of those boutiques, you're paying for that. So uh, buy the watch pre-owned. Just buy. Get great deals. But all right, I'm going to go ahead and call that. Uh, feels I don't have a timer, but that feels like a pretty good I think uh, so. length of show. 40 minutes just or wearing, so. You know, we're both wearing timers. We buy, sell, and trade things that track time. But anyways, uh, thanks, guys. Happy Thursday night. Happy I appreciate Thursday. you logging in. Uh, hopefully, this makes your weekend a little bit better if you catch it on Friday. Take it easy. Thanks, Q. Thanks for watching. Thanks for coming in, man.